and Make It Count podcast and my name is David. My name is Matt. And we are the Taylor Bros. Coming at you live. Not, not live, but... Well, I'm alive. <laughs> you're live. I'm alive as well. So today we're going to talk about a book, The Life We're Looking For, Reclaiming Relationship in a Technological World by Andy Crouch. Matt is holding it there for those who are watching on YouTube. Uh, it's a very nice book. I read it 2023, early 2023, so about a year ago. Um, you've read it much more recently, Matt. Yep. Why did you want to talk about this book? I mean, partly it's just a brilliant title, The Life We're Looking For, Reclaiming Relationship in a Technological World. The book itself is carries some really, really core ideas that I think are powerful for our time. He communicates really clearly. It's not like one of these classic books, which is just, oh, here's how to improve your life in this way. It's He's getting at the core of some of the deep things that are trends in our society that transcend just this cultural moment. They trend, they, you know, 150 years in the making some of these things. Mm. And I think it's very insightful to help go, oh, this is at the root of some of the symptoms we experience in our day-to-day life and pointing towards a couple of potential ways forward to get back to a more human way of living, mm-hmm. even in a highly technological, highly modern way of life. Mm. Yeah, so he, I, if I remember rightly, I wrote a few notes on this book, which helped me refresh my memory, but he's sort of opening chapter, maybe prologue, but very near the beginning, it's this idea that there's a child, a baby, a newborn baby in the room, and the first thing they want to do is to be recognized. They're looking for faces. If you yeah. look away, they're going to make a fuss about it. Um, and so they want to be recognized. They're looking for those things. In fact, he even says they demand people look at them. Yeah. And he goes on to say that actually somewhere we've lost the art of letting ourselves be recognized. And instead, we're settling for things that are personalized. Yeah. What do, what do you think he meant by that, Matt? Well, I find that so fascinating that in that opening, the, well, the beginning of a, a baby's life, when he tells the story really well, and you're looking for a face, and he kind of closes that section out with, before we knew to look for a mirror, or in today's day and age, a selfie camera, we, we looked for someone else's face. And it is in the interaction with them, we see them, and we see them looking back at us and recognizing us. What happens in that exchange, he says, is they give us back our personhood, mm. as as it was. And they we are we are seeking personal recognition. And of course, what what you then see in today's uh, corporate world is personalized this, personalized that. But it is still impersonal uh, because yeah, you can get your name printed on your shoes or your shirt or something that looks personalized, but it is not actually personal to you because they don't know you. Mm-hmm. They don't know what you desire and what you makes you come alive. Yeah. So the the example he gives is of one time when he gets a a handwritten note through the the door saying, hey, you know, I think you could maybe look for some new windows and this and that. And then he realizes this isn't handwritten. This is printed in a handwritten font. 
There's nothing personal about this. Nobody's handwritten that note to him or that letter to him, but they printed it in a way to make it feel more personal. And a, an example I see all the time is if you're a, subscribed to any online newsletters, you know, probably when you signed up, you put your name in and then your email address. And what does it say? It says, oh, to David, standard email. And it's like all they've done on the beginning is, <laughs> is put to insert name for the person here so yeah. if i'd signed up and said uh you know something else completely you know my name is book it would have sent to book da, 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 da. and it's like yeah. oh that suddenly it doesn't feel so personal but actually it's it's they don't know me i don't really know them other than what they're producing or putting out there um but so it's this idea that like you said there's not a real recognition it's not personal but it is personalized and I think that was an interesting uh, distinction. Distinction, um, yeah. So I think he moves on a little bit, and he basically goes, "We are embodied. We are heart, soul, mind, and strength." He says, "Much of our early learning, and in fact, our total learning, is not limited to the intellectual." Mm. What do you think about that? Yeah. Well, of course, we live in a post-enlightenment society where the idea is everything that kind of happens is just it's all up here it's our brain is the the actual thing and the body just carries that around the body is just a frame which carries around the mind or a brain on stick uh legs or something as, as someone said mm. and of course i think we know that's just not true we are led so much more by our stomachs than by our minds and by our rational thoughts i mean there was a whole economic theory about people would make rational economic decisions well we of course know that's not true we make emotionally based decisions mm -hmm. and they are very often caused by sensations in our body so yeah it makes sense that we are more complex we are more holistic than just one part of us as uh, for a lack of a better word or a better term i suppose one of the things that maybe we're touching on uh, with that for example the personalized versus personal is it gives a sense of the real but it never really truly delivers and i wonder if again like part of the appeal of our technological world is it it attacks or not attacks it attracts to one part of who we are mm -hmm. that cannot give us the holistic thing mm. you know so for example i don't think he talks about it in the book but virtual reality vr it, it is already existing. I, for, I've heard from people that have been in it and have got over the weird nausea that you get to begin with, that it is very immersive, you know, visually and even sound, it's incredibly immersive. But there is billions of uh, investments being made into how do you make it tactile? Because mm. we don't, we realise that's still just two senses. Mm. So I think, again, yeah, that we are complex there's more to us than just one part of us especially just up here and what happens with our bodies is just as important in terms of how we learn and how we move and, and live in this world a hundred percent and so that, that was a really good insight there we are whole beings holistic embodied and i, I see that more talked about in in a variety of places um but really the core of this book is about and, and it's the subtitle, isn't it? Reclaiming relationship in a technological world. And mm -hmm. so a big part, and maybe a key idea of this book is that the promise of technology is effortless power. Yeah. And, and so the promise is that with technology, now you'll be able to. Now you'll be able to do something you couldn't do before, effectively. And you'll no longer have to. 
So, you know, you'll no longer have to wash the dishes because you have a dishwasher. You'll no longer have to do the hoovering because you have the little, was it the is it? Roomba m- robot. Yeah, the Roomba robot that will wander around, you know. So it's like the promise is you'll be able to do this other thing that you couldn't do before and you won't have to do this thing. But he goes one step further and he says, but the consequence is that you'll no longer be able to. And now you'll have to. So the example he gives is you'll no longer be able to make music. And so now you will have to regularly upgrade to keep listening to that music and you'll keep paying a monthly subscription. And I think that was a really interesting and enlightening point for me because almost every culture, tribe, society through history made music of some form or other. Like it was really available, you know, no matter how small or big the family or the tribe was, they had some sort of music making capacity. But now we've just outsourced that to the professionals. We all listen to our Alexa or Spotify or whatever it is. We can't make the music ourselves. And so in order to have access to that music, we have to pay access regularly. Yeah. And there's a cost there. So what do you think of those ideas? I, I, I think that was a really key idea of this book. The other thing that's uh, that's raised there as well, I'm just thinking about the, the Spotify um, syndrome we're in, is that, of course, it's also not that great for those who are making the music for the most part, unless you happen to be in that top 1% of, you know, uh, popular mu- uh, music artists at the time, because they get hardly a fraction of what uh, of what the revenue of those companies get. So they are, in a sense, now the new almost, not quite, but they are the workers that don't get well paid for their services whilst the middlemen get it all and then we just receive and consume and as you said we're not participating in the music in the same way quite We've interesting ability to follow on from that apparently there's quite a lot of music industry experts that are quite worried because you know taylor swift is doing amazing at the moment you know she's significantly making a difference to the us gdp you know kind of some people suggest she's propping up the economy but she's about to hit middle age right and they were like, we don't know where the next one is. We can't find somebody. They're having a really big challenge of like finding the next person. And maybe it's like, well, there's a number of reasons that go into that potentially. Um, but yeah, so I like this idea that the promise of technology is you'll be able to and you'll no longer have to, which most of us are quite familiar with. Oh, yeah, if I have this thing, I won't have to do this thing anymore, yeah. but I'll be able to do this other thing. But we're not so familiar with the consequences that we've lost the ability to do. Um and instead, we have to do this other thing. There's a cost yeah. to it. The music one is really powerful. The other one he talks about, I quite like, is basically air travel. Uh, he, the experience of air travel. He says, well, think about it. We have effectively got what is mod- modern magic. We can now traverse whole continents in a matter of hours. You know, whether it, regardless of whether it was minutes or hours, it doesn't really make a difference if you think about that span of distance that we're covering. You know, it might as well be instantaneous teleportation for that matter. So we have gained an incredible capacity, a, an ability to tra- travel at almost instantaneous speeds. And we no longer have to ride a horse to be able to do that or walk long distances or trail uh, dangerous passes. Yet... What have we lost? Well, the experience of being in an aeroplane, even if you do pay the extra money for a bigger seat and a nicer tray and a nicer screen, you still have to remain basically seated 
very still for long periods of time, unnaturally still, um, in what some people have termed a fart tube. Um, <laughs> and, um, and, and everything gets dulled up there. Apparently, that's one of the reasons why plain food is so bland. Literally, your taste buds are, they almost switch off a little bit when you're at high altitude. And so they are deliberately simple foods, those sort of things. And what do we end up having? We have a screen six inches from our face just to distract us from the fact that we are in a very unnatural position. And so our humanity is diminished in that capability. We have gained a power and yet we have lost personhood. And he, he contrasts that to go back to when you had to ride by horseback or travel. Yes, it would take months, weeks, and yet all of your senses would be alive. You would be very aware of the rain or the wind or the sunshine or the smells, the, the, the feel of the road under your feet or the saddle. And, and that would make you come alive in that regard. Yes, of course, there are troubles with that and toils. But yet the experience of being in a tube, sat in a seat, effectively confined to that tiny space is very diminishing to our humanity. And it's only regained when we get out of the airport at the other end. Yeah, 100%. And I, I suppose as we sort of draw this conversation in, we're really thinking about this, and again, reclaiming relationship in a technological world. And he's not mm. saying that technology is bad per se, although he, it does have a, a maybe a spirit or a, an intention behind it. But mm. actually that our personhood and who we are is about recognized by the people we engage with by those friendships, by those relationships. Right at the beginning, he talks about a child demands that and they want to be recognized and that we've lost the art of letting ourselves be recognized. Mm. And we're happy for the lesser, um, shall we say, we're settling for the lesser of something that is personalized. And so there's a courageousness to letting ourselves be recognized in friendship, in relationship. And, and so we would encourage that. Don't settle for the, I sort of know, or I'm sort of known, but actually have the courage to meet those people that, uh, and let yourselves be recognized. Because the world is likely to carry on a trend of becoming more technologically. And that, that has a cost as well. And as long as, and it's not saying don't do it, but actually recognizing the cost um, recognizing what you're going to lose the ability to do is really important so that you're not just going, hey, it's all great. It's amazing. Yeah, there are some great things. There are some amazing things. Uh, technology has allowed so many benefits for so many people, um, but also it has, there is a cost. And so that's why we both like this book, I think. Matt, final yeah. comment? Well, I would say there's so much more in this book that we could cover. The best thing for you guys to do is get yourself the book read it or get the audio version and listen to it it's fantastic mm. the thing i would close out on going back to the music thing is he contrasts later in the book this idea between devices and instruments and says the device is effectively this again we've talked about this desire for power without effort modern version of magic but an instrument is something that enhances your capabilities but doesn't lose your personhood. So obviously musical instrument, we think of also as scientific or medical instruments. And he gives some examples and it just basically is, yeah, that question I'm going to finish with is like, how can we interact with our technology around us such that it becomes an instrument that enhances our capabilities and can help us, but also doesn't diminish us, doesn't require nothing of us. Mm -hmm. It actually asks something of us such that we have to pour into it 
uh, not necessarily pour into the device, but pour out of ourselves and give effort and be changed, but actually come out of it and go, yeah, my humanity has been enhanced in this experience, not diminished. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Really good thought there, Matt. Uh, If you've read the book, love to hear what your thoughts were. Um, If you haven't, go read it. Let us know what your reflections were on what we're saying. Is it a new thought for you? Um, Is it, have you thought about the cost of technology and what does it look like to let yourself be recognized? Um, But that's all from us this week at the Make It Count podcast. Thank you again for listening. It's such a joy that so many of you um, would take the time to do that. Until next week.